From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello and welcome to episode 57 of Connecting with Walt. I am your host and his historian, Michael Bowling, and I am joined by my co-host, producer, and good friend, Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm great. How are you, Michael? Oh, I'm doing well. Thank you. Just basking in our our 85 degree weather. Oh, wonderful. So, <laughs> so. it's we've been in uh, monsoon season here in Orlando, which is uh, honestly I feel terrible for anyone vacationing down here right now because it has not been pleasant, but at the same time it, it's just been wonderful. I for the first time in I want to say a year and a half we're getting regular rain, so the grass is all coming back. Uh, landscaping that just got done for the spring is coming in just better than ever. It's so I, I know people people really never want to come down and experience rain on their vacation, but it's you know what these, these places need it every yeah, now and then. Yeah. yeah, I think I was watching you on Daily Fix this past week. Were you in Animal Kingdom and you were trapped inside by the rain? Or oh, we or yeah we were. Place? It was yeah. it was pretty terrible. We. We showed up, and it wasn't supposed to have any chance of raining until, like, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. And so we were there around 11, uh, you know, to make sure that it gets out sometime around uh, in that 12 to 1 o'clock hour. And, of course, as soon as we met up, out of nowhere, the clouds just opened up. And then it's like, oh, well, it's going to be nice. And then they came right back together, and it got black and just gross and yeah before we could even get started it started downpouring and just kept going and going and going and it, yeah it was not good so we've we've kind of decided we're at the point where our uh, our in the park daily fixes are going to have to take a brief hiatus until the weather is back to cooperating with us yeah yeah our, uh, my daughter and I we were once caught in the monsoon at um at, at animal kingdom and i had never seen rain like that in my life before yeah. i was astonished this was a few years ago i've now seen it since because i seem to go to um orlando more often than i go to disneyland these last couple of years for for obvious reasons and um and i i was astonished just astonished. Yeah. i mean there, there were rivers running down the pathways yeah it's it's very depressing at points um it's like it just because of the onslaught that can happen and when it, it's like this where it's daily and not just for that quick florida afternoon rain that everyone knows about but that just hours and hours and hours it's it's been it's been bad but uh i you know things will turn around eventually so and if not, it's just pray for all of us for this hurricane season because it oh, yeah. it could be another bad one. That's what I've. That's what we've been hearing yeah. out here. So, 
But well, Positive. you know, speaking <laughs> well, speaking of of you know travel, going to the theme parks, all that we're getting into that time of year. You know, every I you know, know people have planned their trips or they are thinking. Well, you know, well, you know, it, I'm of course in the in the Western Kingdom, Disneyland. We don't plan ahead. We just say, hey, let's go to Disneyland this weekend. Yeah, and and but out. Of course, the Magic Kingdom and at Walt Disney World, you have to plan a year in advance, six months in advance. Folks are, you know, by now, folks going into summer already have their dining reservations. They already have their fast passes. They already have all that done. And um, But one of the things that we enjoy doing on the shows and all that, or when we travel with family... Is we a lot of us we like to reminisce. We reminisce about uh, you know attractions that never that, that aren't there anymore, or we reminisce about favorite memories that we have with family members or friends when we were at the parks, or we or we do a little you know armchair imagineering. How at Disneyland? How would we improve Tomorrowland? Which <laughs> believe me it. The sky's the limit there because it's just so dreadful. But you know how would how would you you fix things? How would you improve, let's say, Disney Hollywood Studios, or what kind of a restaurant would you like to see go in at World Showcase? I mean, whatever it may be, or a different land. And that actually, in in all these different conversations, that that got Craig to to thinking about what I think was a really good topic for um, today's episode. And actually, this could be a topic for many episodes. We'll just sort of move from park to park. Yeah. But, um, but Craig, do you want to, why don't you introduce uh, today's episode? Yeah, so we are calling this episode Disneyland of, well, Disneyland of your dreams, in this case, Disneyland of our dreams. And it, it really is just a concept that's as simple as the title itself, where we're going to sit back and we're going to create the Disneyland that we think would be perfect to us, but uh, pretty much nearly perfect because, of course, you could never have, you never should have too much of a good thing. You could have too much of a good thing, but you shouldn't have too much of a good thing. So we have to have some ground rules with this. And uh, so we're going to look at the eight realms of Disneyland. I don't think I have to list them off right now. We will be going over them as the show goes on. Uh, and of course, these have changed drastically over the years in, in some some of the locations. Uh, others like. I, I don't have a ton of history on uh, on Toontown, but I'm guessing it's not changed as drastically as other areas uh, throughout the park. But uh, No, they you know, just got rid of things. <laughs> They've not added anything. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but there have been changes. Attractions have gone, like you said. Uh, dining's come and gone. Uh, entertainment. And it's, there's a lot of history there. Some, some of the things might be things we're most interested about in the past. Some might be the present. And that's where the fun of this is going to come in because we're, we're going to basically take each land, each one of those realms, and we're going to choose one attraction, we're going to choose one restaurant, and we're going to choose a gift shop that we would have comprising the land. And I know that's not enough. It's not enough to make up that land, but this is... This is for mostly time's sake. Obviously, we could sit here and talk about everything we would want in there, and it would go on and on and on. But we don't have sixteen hours to record this one, so we do have to 
we have to limit ourselves a little bit. But the the choices that we make can be from any era, of course, past, past or present, the exact same way as I've said before. But we can't pick multiple things. We can blend them together in some circumstances, as you will see as we start going over. We haven't we haven't shared our full list, but I know Michael and I at least talked about one because we wanted to make sure we were okay with with the mm-hmm. with the fake rules we set up yeah. for this little and, and, and it game ended up ourselves. Being both our lists, so we were definitely okay. <laughs> exactly. Yes, it it had to be okay. There was there was no workaround on it, and you know when we're. It, the rules were also meant to be broken in certain circumstances, and you'll hear along the way when that does happen. But this is something that we're obviously doing for you. This is something you can play at home, help, uh, you know, maybe enhance uh, your research on Disney history besides the stuff we're just sharing with you. Maybe it'll it'll motivate you to go out and start finding this history yourself and putting together your own perfect part as well, too. But it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to this one. But are we were you ready to start building our, our I think the Disneyland so. of our and dreams? It's funny, and the, and the way I I I approached this at first was I I looked at each realm and thought, what might I add to it? What might I take away? But I still sort of started with the bones of it. Yeah. And um, but. Uh, so yes so anyway so yeah so there are some things i thought okay if i was going to redo this maybe i looked at it as if i redid the land yeah these are these were the at least if i was completely going to start from scratch like if i were doing tomorrowland um (laughs) and bulldozing it over these are at least the elements i would keep or add that was sort of how i approached it so so it isn't the complete realm but this is like after i bulldoze the thing or or after I started taking things out, these are, this is what you would start would with. have to be in there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So. No, I think that's a perfect way. So, uh, should we start on sure. Main Street USA? That would make that the most sense, right? Does it? Right, that's right. We just walked in right under the berm. Okay, and the magic we tunnel. Yeah, and we did not discuss how we are going to do this, but I think maybe we'll start with back and forth. Go. Uh, just go along with it, and there's no better place to start with one attraction. So, and do you want to kick it off, or do you want me to? Oh, uh, is this like the Disney history quiz? Am I better off starting? <laughs> yeah. Okay. There's no wrong uh, answers in this one, though, so that's I, the fun part. That's true. I, well, I'll kick it off. So, so we each are going to give an attraction, and we each are going to give Yes. Is that how it works? Okay. Yeah. Excellent. I'll, I'll start it out because I have a feeling this is pr- probably some element of this is on both of our lists. I'm I'm going to do, I'm taking the Walt Disney, st- what I would add to the Main Street Opera House is the Walt Disney story. Um, it only ran there from 1973 to 1975. Um, but, but And what it was, it was a biographical film about Walt Disney because one of really the failings of Disneyland that we we always say this is Walt's Park and and I mean we're so proud of that and that you feel his touch throughout that park and 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 you 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 somehow you sense Walt still his his touch in that park but we don't have anything that really tells his story mm-hmm. there unlike at, at Disney Hollywood Studio so 
in the so what had once been there um, in the lobby of the Main Street Opera House there were a large number of Walt Disney's artifacts and awards there were props from his television shows and films also in there and but what Disneylanders really miss in this exhibit is the recreation of Walt's office at the studio and we're not going to talk about we're still not we're not holding <laughs> the grudge too much and it went over to Disney Hollywood Studios on loan and then we never saw it again um, there was also a video of about the construction of Disneyland run at high speed. And there was even an audio animatronic Professor Owl talking about Walt Disney's True Life Adventure series, how much Walt loved animals and nature, things like that. Um, guests would then, now, so this is like a twofer now. So then guests would then enter the Opera House Theater to view a 28 minute film about the life of Walt Disney up to the construction of Walt Disney World. And then in the second sort of um, version of this, they then ran great moments with Mr. Lincoln. Oh, so yeah. That's what when they first introduced this, they um, they did they, it replaced great moments with Mr. Lincoln. People were not happy with that. Yeah. So. So what they did was they then entered, they then ran Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln afterwards. I thought that was wonderful because we, we've talked before about Walt's admiration for President Lincoln. So I thought telling his story and having then the president's, you know, the, the president speak was perfect. And they've sort of done that, on, you know, in Liberty Square yeah. in the Hall yeah. of Presidents. but. I would definitely add this in to my main street. And see, that's that's a great one. And I wish I would have thought of it myself. But my one thing that I would I would have in my main street of my dreams is all of the main street transportation. And mm -hmm. that is probably because of the the resentment that I have as a Walt Disney World uh, as a Walt Disney World visitor uh, at my regular park and knowing that we just don't have the awesome transportation. They have vehicles. We just never get it out. Like, well, the once in a blue moon when our omnibus comes out, it's like it. I'm never around when I see people posting about it. It's it's not fair. And it's one of those things that while I, I understand the probably the stress that the cast members go through having to to clear the way up and down main street usa as they're coming through whether it's on one of the horse and trolleys or if it's if it's in one of the actual automobiles but uh, i am sure it's really terrible for them but it just adds such a life and energy to the land that that it does feel lacking without it. I mean, in, in Walt Disney World, we don't we don't have that. We have a bunch of photo pass photographers stationed up and down Main Street, and that's that's our main attraction there essentially. So <laughs> that must be why we don't have photo pass um, photographers. We have all those characters out in the hub and or in town square yeah. and we have no photo pass well, i think if they set their tripods we, up in the middle of the street they'd get run over <laughs> that's true uh, you know what i'm willing i'm willing to have the vehicles yeah <laughs> yeah i but that's that's why i know a lot of people might not consider it an attraction i do and that's mm -hmm. Absolutely, what I would keep in it's it's one of those things I don't think you I think too many people take it for granted. I agree, yeah, and it just adds so much. It, it adds such a nice storytelling yeah. um, aspect to it, and I, I I always thought that would be one of my dream jobs 
is driving a Main Street vehicle yeah. because first of all, you first of all it means you are a character of Main Street. You're a resident of Main Street, and that's your role. And you're setting the stage because a lot of times you're driving people down Main Street, so you're the first character they meet. Yeah. So you're setting their day. I mean, how many jobs do you get to see a castle all day? And you get to honk your horn at people. Yeah. So that's a big plus. And they always, even if they might be stressed, they always look like they're having fun. And yeah. that's that's special. But what would you choose for one restaurant? You know what? I am going to bring a restaurant from another park. Oh. <laughs> and I I think that we one of the things Disneyland needs, I think, are are a few more really nice, elegant places to eat. I uh, not that I've eaten here, but I have read a whole lot about this, and I know people who have eaten here. There's, there would need to be a little name change to this slightly, but I would add Waltz, an American restaurant from Disneyland Paris. Hmm. Um, this is a very, very elegant um, restaurant. It's designed as both a tribute to Walt Disney, but it has a Club Thirty Three style. But it is for regular guests. Um, but it's designed in that elegant Victorian um, decor. Yeah. The Club 33 had once been. Um, the restaurant's lobby features many items referring to Walt's life and achievements. Um, there, they, the, they had downstairs dining rooms that were named for Walt and Lillian and Roy, and, and those no longer exist, but um, they, they're now retail. But the upstairs uh, um, dining rooms, and there's... There's like six of them. They're all named after, they're themed to a different realm of Disneyland. Um, you know, there's an Adventureland room and, you know, a Fantasyland room. There's a Disneyland hotel room. Mm-hmm. And everything in there is all themed to that realm. And, and it includes, um, including concept art by Imagineers like Mark Davis and Tony Baxter and things. And the, I heard the food is good. And but also uh, I've seen photos of what this looks like, and it, it it looks beautiful. It is a second floor restaurant, so it would mean uh, you know either it would become a first floor restaurant or we would have to redesign our main street a little. Yeah. But um, but uh, I would add this waltz. Cool. I uh, mine is a simple one, especially for people who know me. And, uh, uh, of course, the number one thing that I go on and on, probably <laughs> to the point that I annoy people with, is the little red wagon, mm-hmm. the corn dog cart. It's, it is literally just my favorite thing. If I, if I had one day at Disneyland and I, I was only given the option to have one food item, it would be a corn dog from the little red wagon. It's just, it, it's iconic to me. It's no other corn dog tastes like it anywhere. I, and uh, believe you me, I've, I've had my fair share of corn dogs from fairs to farm shows to other theme parks. And it's, there's just nothing like it. It is, it is Disney magic, how they can take mm-hmm. such a simple, simple food, a, a hot dog on a stick with cornmeal batter and deep fried, but it's just, it, it is perfect. And there's, there's nothing like eating it right on main street too, or, or just going right into the hub and, and eating it there. It's just, it, it is, it is pure Disneyland for me. So there is no way I could, I could leave it off of my list, but 
I, I knew that's what you were going to yeah. choose. I think of you every time I walk by it or when I eat at it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm glad. I think about my, I think about it every time I'm having a bad day. It's like, you know what could have turned around a Disneyland corn dog? <laughs> but what about for your gift shop? I think we're probably going to have the same one. Maybe. Well, you know, I, I figured there was one obvious one. So I'm choosing one that is near and dear to my heart uh-huh. that I bet a lot of people do not remember. And that is the Mickey Mouse Club headquarters shop. I definitely I don't. That. <laughs> no, no. I, I think you would have to be uh, an old mouseketeer like me. Um, this was after the Babes in Toyland exhibit left at the Main Street Opera House. But since I've already said what I want in the Main Street Opera House, this would have to be located elsewhere Okay, uh, on Main Street. This sold photos of the original Mouseketeers and Mickey Mouse Club souvenirs. Um, young guests could sign up as members of the club and receive um, membership cards. And, uh, well, you know, members of a proposed new uh, Mickey Mouse Club show occasionally made appearances in this uh, shop. And so, you know, I that that little location is just near and dear to me. And so I had to um, I think I would include that. That's personal reasons. No, that's a that's (laughs) a good choice. Obviously, with me, um, I I have to be boring and I have to be plain and go with the Emporium. Mm -hmm. It's just and not for the merchandise that's sold there, just for the detail that is inside there it's and if you haven't ever been in disneyland's emporium before just walk in and look up and look all around and that is what makes it special it's alive it's vibrant and moving you you just believe that you're in this old time department store when you're in there and it's like you you could genuinely spend an hour walking around if you are into the details like you and i are you you could spend that much time walking around and taking it all in and it's just it is a special store it it, it's one of those it's one of those situations where you walk in and be like did they really need to put this much detail into a gift shop and at the end of the day i don't care why they did all I all I'm glad is that they did so, absolutely yeah. the Emporium yeah, and and walk through the arcade shops you know yeah. towards the end and uh, there's even if you look up there's even uh, hints to some some of the shops that used to be there. There's yeah. little homages to them. Oh, and like one of my favorite uh, ones, and I think it's still technically a part of the Emporium, but the the one women's section in there. The, the during Halloween they turned it into yes. the birds room like I oh, yeah. I love that the murder of crows yeah, yeah in there the, is that the fortuosity shop I believe so mm-hmm. yes I so but yeah just every I mean you can't really pick a bad shop yeah. on Main Street and it's I I did struggle between the magic store and an emporium but emporium just had to win for me and a Main Street has to have an emporium. Agree. There, there has to be in any main street. Agree. So I'm guessing we may agree on the the entertainment as well too. But you surprised me on the gift shop, so I'm ready to be surprised again. You know, I really struggled with this one because there is so much good entertainment, and I went back and forth on a number, and then I decided to go with traditional. What? 
what old time turn of the century main street with its town square what what town did not have its own band so Mm. i had to go with the disneyland band oh okay so for that just again for the environment and just you know seeing them march up from the castle up main street and then you know then conducting in in town square you know you just have to to have that i i completely agree with you but i would mine would be dapper dance that I, was my other choice. It's <laughs> uh, I, I love I love the marching band. I love all the bands, but uh, Dapper Dan's are one of the only forms of acapella that just doesn't annoy the bejesus out of me. And I love I, I just love listening to them. I, I listen to them all the time here at Walt Disney World too, at Magic Kingdom. So it's it, when we do ours here. That's most likely going to be my choice for for that as well too but it's those it's just it's one of those things again i don't want to keep repeating it but it's just it's disneyland to me hearing the dapper Mm -hmm. dance on main street it's just so special but that we that that takes us all the way through main street i mean we'll be back We'll be back later on in the day for for a parade, as well as maybe at the end of the night for fireworks. Mm-hmm. But I think we need to start exploring the park. So I guess the question is, should we take a left and go through Adventureland, or should we take a right and get Tomorrowland out of the oh, way? Let's leave that horrible Tomorrowland to the end. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> let's let's move on to Adventureland, and let's start with the attraction. Okay, of course you know what I pre- I prepared everything going the other way, but I'm five. <laughs> I gave I you the choice. <laughs> oh, I know you did, but I thought let's go. I'm going to go to Adventureland. Okay, what do you want? What do you want me to do first? What, pick your attraction. Okay, I'm I'm bringing something else over from <gasps> another park from Shanghai Disneyland's Adventure Isle, which is their Adventureland. I would bring the Camp Discovery Challenge Trails. Uh, oh, the only thing is Disneyland lawyers would never allow this attraction. Um, if built, though, I think this would be one of the most popular attractions in the park. Um, there, This is a challenge course, not unlike anything you've seen in a Disney park. You're harnessed in. And, That's what I was going to ask, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're harnessed in. <laughs> and you, um, they're, they're, you're, you climb up and you're in this mountain kind of thing and there are three courses known as the hidden falls chamber the house of ancients and echo cavern and each are unique and they take you through a different section of the mountain and the the harnesses travel along these tracks and and um each of these courses have their own story and and each has their own complex challenges. And the cool thing is each challenge you come across within each course has three difficulty levels, easy, medium, and hard. And you can select the difficulty level as you go from challenge to challenge. So, you know, your your harness is in this track. You can switch tracks. So you can do one one part of the challenge. You can do the difficult one. But then you can switch over to a medium one or an easy one if you want. So, for instance, there's one section of a challenge you can choose to cross. Uh, there's this high elevation, and you're above these jagged rocks, and, and there's a river and all this stuff. And you can just do it by crossing a standard bridge. That's really easy. 
or the medium one you can choose to do is jump along scattered um, planks of wood. Huh. That's the one I chose. Yeah. It's very Indiana Jonesish, <laughs> you know, and they, they all look broken and all this stuff. And some of them, you're taking a pretty long jump. Yeah. And then, or there's just these two ropes, these two skinny, skinny little ropes, and you just sort of shimmy across them. That's what most of my um, friends on, on did on that one. Yeah. Or there's another one where, where you're in the cavern and there's this waterfall and it's all wet. The easy one is you just walk around it completely. <laughs> and then there's one. I did the middle one. And then where the, the, um, the ledge was just a little wider. And then there's one where you, you, you were barely you barely had your toes on mm-hmm. the ledge as you went around it. And you're going around and you're you're I mean, you're clinging to these walls that are damp, you know, from this big old waterfall yeah. that you're going under and all that. I mean, this thing is amazing. And I think it would just be very cool in Adventureland. Hmm. That uh, that would be cool. So it's, it's the Redwood Challenge Trail, like on steroids, yeah, or, or for adults. Yeah, no, that that absolutely would. Um, so for me, I know people have probably heard me rave, and you know, I always go on and on about how much I love uh, Indiana Jones Adventure. But in my dream one, there there is no dream in Disneyland that doesn't include Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room, and. Uh, I, we've, we've talked many a times on this show about it, so I don't feel the need to go, to go on and on, but the history that is involved in this attraction and just the intimacy in this attraction and sitting inside with your dual whip. So that's, that's kind of the bonus. You have to get the dual whip. If you, if you don't take it in, then it doesn't count, but, uh, just being so close and, and, I, it's really hard to explain. It's just if you haven't been in Disneyland before, I don't think you understand it. You can't you can't lump uh, Magic Kingdom's Tiki Room in the exact same uh, category as the one in Disneyland, and it, it's just it, it's it's a really it's a really fun experience, and I I. I hit this every single time, and the last time I was there, you know, getting to to do it with Mary Jo and seeing seeing her eyes light up in it too. It's it's very rare that I'm in there with someone else who appreciates it just as much as me, yeah. and that just it made it even more special the last yeah. time I did it. So, I what I love is love our it. granddaughter. That is a not miss attraction for her. That's special. You know, yeah. she loves all of the, you know, she loves Splash Mountain and she loves, you know, Space Mountain and Matterhorn and all that. But we have to do the uh, Walt Disney's Enchanted Tiki Room. Yeah, it's she just. She loves that. It's great. So yeah, And Winnie the Pooh. We have to do Winnie the Pooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funny enough, not to take us off rail, but I forgot to look back. I well, No, sorry. I didn't even go on it. So I couldn't even go on it to look back at the end and see if I could see, um, see oh, uh, Melvin, for, yeah, and gang, yeah, yeah. So it was well, next just, time you're out. I ran out of time, but uh, this next one is easy because I believe both. Well, I don't believe because we talked about this one. It's the one I referenced before. But you and I both lumped our entertainment and our dining together. But- 
I'm going to let you talk about that because in some of these lands, I had a backup when I suspected you were going to, um, uh-huh. we were going to choose the same thing. So I'm going to let you talk about that one. And I might add a couple of things in, but I, I have, um, are we going to do restaurant or entertainment? Um, well, I, I'm blending mine together with this okay. one. Okay. Because. So, so should I do both of mine together? If they fit together, yeah, just we'll just put them together since okay. mine mine works all together. For restaurants and, and the funny thing is, I, I think I brought this up with um, Marcy uh, when she was on the show Eat Like Walt. Uh, Sun kissed, I presume. I would bring that back. It, mm. it actually, I would somehow blend it with uh, the Bengal barbecue, which replaced it. Okay, but it served my favorite drink of all times in the park it was a jungle julep it Mm. was the most refreshing medley of probably frozen concentrate fruit juices and the secret ingredient was tang (laughs) (laughs) well it was powdered orange drink but the only powdered orange drink i know of is tang but so i don't know what they put in it because the the there's uh, recipes out there for it i loved this drink and I was so disappointed when it went away. You know, the male cast members wore Hawaiian shirts and Bermuda shorts. And the, the female cast members wore long floral dresses. Uh, they also made the mint juleps that were served on the Mark Twain. People might not know that the Mark Twain served um, beverages for a while. No. And, but uh, they, were also, they were run by, this was when the sun-kissed um, citrus house was on Main Street. And so this was their little outpost in Adventureland. So when Sunkissed um, Citrus House closed, so did Sunkissed, I presume. So I would keep the food from Bengal Barbecue, mm-hmm. but um, because it was better than what Sunkissed, I presume, served, which is like hot dogs. And uh, but um, I would have the juices that Sunkissed, I presume, served. Okay. And well. then for your entertainment, you know, Steel Drum Band. They used yeah. to have them up above on like the second floor of, of um, it would either be when uh, of the uh, Jungle Cruise or the buildings across from them yeah. on the balcony. They would have a steel drum band up there. And that just seems so exotic and tropical to me. Yeah. When I, I was a boy, I love steel drum music. Yeah, that was that was the first thing that I, it even dawned on me when mm-hmm. we were when we finally decided that we were going to do this one, and that's what popped into my head. But of course, I decided to make mine easy and blend it into two, and mm-hmm. I would choose the Tahitian Terrace, so that way I get I get the dinner, the food, as well as the entertainment all together, and I I'm. I'm sure we've talked about Tahitian Terrace on the show before, um, probably when mm-hmm. we talked about Adventureland. But uh, for those of you out there who don't know what it is at all, it is in the space that, well, I the believe the construction walls went up, but uh, ah. uh, at Aladdin's Oasis, that strange, strange section at Adventureland that never really quite made sense. Well, now the construction walls are up because they're they're bring in their new concept the new dining concept that will be on the the waterfront of uh jungle cruise as well as butted right up against the tiki room but yeah the tahitian terrace was in this spot and it was a 
a dinner show that featured um, it featured music and Polynesian dancers. And, uh, you know, obviously I never got to see it, but I've just read about it all over the place. And it, 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 I'm sure you could correct me on it, but it seemed like a, just a luau show, but mm-hmm. uh, it's, it was paired up with... Uh, actually exotic food as well as I, I wasn't it a planner's punch was like there the was one there was a drink? very popular punch there and yeah. yeah they had polynesian themed food you know po- what, what we considered polynesian themed in the 60s yeah. yeah we ate there many times um yeah it was shrimp tempura uh well you know like even the children's menu even had like shrimp tempura and fried chicken with coconut sauce but it had like skewered chicken pork back ribs um seafood a tropical fruit salad and 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 some traditional hawaiian dishes yeah and see and that's just that it's so cool and Mm -hmm. uh i something like this i understand why it wouldn't uh, like i understand why it could work for as long as it did and then they made the decision to take it out but uh just inside a theme park to have this especially in Adventureland it's it's just right up my alley it's i wish i wish i could have experienced this but yeah it alas it was I didn't. wonderful <laughs> yeah i went to an event a couple years ago carol and i went where they sort of recreated it as best they could yeah know, at over, trader sam's yeah 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 right near there across from there in that um it has a name now. I don't know what they call it. Yeah. And uh, that where the Dancing Waters used to be over to Disneyland Hotel on that lawn. Yeah, area. exactly. And uh, I don't know what they call it now. But, um, yeah, and it was great. It was just because it was d- different. They told the whole history of it, but they had different generations of, um, you know, the, the, of the original family that, you know, performed there. They had, like, some of their children now we're did the performances exactly yeah no that was and that was right before um that was right before i believe the 2015 d23 convention and Mm -hmm. it's i i remember being very jealous because i i missed the uh the sign up for it went very quickly it did i did not get in on it but uh, hey, I still was able to get the mug that they made way too many of. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's all that matters. Yeah, and and if you and look online at the menus, the menus were was that sixty Polynesian kitsch kind of hmm. theme. They were beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Yeah, so. I I need to find an actual picture of it. I've read the menu before, but I haven't I haven't seen the picture. So I will have to track that down, but. Let's move on into. Oh, did we go? Did we talk about oh, shops? No, we didn't. Sorry. Thank you. <laughs> um, I would keep one that is there for me, the Adventureland Bazaar, uh, because that was designed by Rolly Crump in like a weekend. Um, and, you know, it's a great story that he went out to the boneyard and, you know, there's pieces of uh, some of the ticket booths. That, that had been taken down or in there and um, parts of the old plantation chicken house. And he talks about how we used mirrors to make the space look larger than it is. But uh, um, it, it's beautiful. And I'm so glad that with all the changes they've done to the shops the last couple of years, that they've pretty much kept this one intact. Yeah. And, uh, and 
uh, it's one of my favorite shops. I just, I like to cruise through it, but it's mainly because I like to look at the decor. I mean, it's very lush with, you know, the, it has a tent-like feel inside and uh, it's it's a it's a beautiful little shop. I mean, yeah. it really did an amazing job. No, I agree. And I mean, unless I'm completely wrong about this, which I, I don't think I am, but Adventureland Bazaar is also what is home to um, it's home to Shrunken Ned, correct? Yes. yes. And that's and that's um, I every trip I would go on out to California, I would always I would always want to. Uh, to finally take in that it's a kind of a, a fortune telling mm-hmm. machine that's in that store and i never had actually cash or change on me to do it and then this past trip i i finally i was like i, I had dollars in my pocket and i'm like i'm gonna do it before the end of it and i was with Teresa, and she finally got irritated and just gave me 50 cents and made me do it <laughs> so <laughs> i i finally got to but yeah i i love it for that reason it's it, it it's just it's one of those those cool little aspects of it makes it makes it a little bit better yeah i agree but okay now we can move on <laughs> now that i'm not forgetting anything else and uh, let's move on into Frontierland from here. Okay. Let me um, get my Frontierland stuff out. There it is. Alrighty. And let's start with the attraction. Okay. This, you know, th- th- this one was tough because I have, <laughs> I have so much. Um, because my problem for me is that there's not a lot of frontier left in this land. So I'd want to bring something back that, that would give the feel of vastness that it used to have. Um, you know, so I thought, well, but I don't want to bring back Mind Chains and Nature's Wonderland because we already have a train there. So I cheated. <laughs> I I would bring in something that was never built, but it was it came really close. It was conceived, and we we I think we did a whole episode on this. I would bring I would build Discovery Bay, mm, yeah, as an extension of this. Of so I don't know if this is in the spirit. Of, um, yeah, you the, cheated the a little too it. much, but I'll give it to you. Okay, I do though have an attraction then that I would bring in. And I, I would, if this is a little too much, because that's this is actually multiple attractions and <laughs> yeah. restaurants and a whole different theme. But it is tied into the original backstory of Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. So listen well, to it, that episode. Yeah. Um, we For the, about it. It will, we'll put this as the asterisk. Instead of the galaxy's edge of your future, you would rather okay. have Discovery Bay. I would. I think it would fit into Disneyland a whole lot better. Um, I would bring back the Mike Fink Heelboats. I've talked about these so many yeah. times. Uh, they're based on the Walt Disney television shows. Uh, they were later made into um, feature-length movies. You know, Davy Crockett's Keelboat Race and Davy Crockett and River Pirates. These were free floating boats, which, which led to their demise. And they traveled around Tom Sawyer Island. Of course, the the it's named after Mike Fink, the king of the river, who actually lost the keelboat race. Uh, but the spiel of the keelboat captains, I thought was funnier than the Jungle Cruise skippers. Hmm. And, and then they had this cute little rivalry always with the, with the canoe um, 
yeah the canoe boat cast members whatever you want to call them uh explorers and so i thought i i miss these plus i i miss the activity on the river because it, yeah. it gave it a little more you know kinetics going on on the river so that's what i'd bring back well my my one thing the only thing that i would want in there for an attraction is exactly what you mentioned and that's mine train through nature's wonderland something that i've never done but again is just it, it's one of those i I've, I've seen the videos i've, I've watched it uh that the ones that have been that have archived this attraction in pieces and uh it just it there is a the most classic disney elements to it the reason why we all all go to disney and i just i wish so much that i would have been able to experience it from the animals that were all throughout there the balancing rocks uh obviously going through the rainbow caverns it's it just there is there's such a lore to it that mm-hmm. i i am fascinated with and you know like so i was one of those people who was really tickled when they did that uh that mickey mouse cartoon a while back where they went through uh rainbow caverns and all mm-hmm. that that just that that got me so much so that's 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 the Disneyland. That's the frontier land of my dreams, including Rainbow Caverns. Yeah, and, and, and would you include the pack mules and the Conestoga wagon and all that? Eh, I, I, <laughs> maybe, but I I don't need those. I just want to ride the attraction. So if they, we'll we'll throw those in, but it didn't need to be the the whole whole experience. I, I'm fine with just mine train. That was my favorite attraction out there. I loved it, especially Mark Davis's humor. Yeah, that he put into it. Now, some of the cacti from I think the Living Desert uh, uh, scene uh, uh, out there made it onto your Big Thunder Mountain Railroad. Hmm. So there's a little touch of it out there in the Magic. I'll have to pay attention a little bit more next time I'm on my Big Thunder. Then, yeah. But what about a restaurant now? Restaurant. Okay, I'm combining my restaurant with um, entertainment. I figured. In this one. Yes. <laughs> Golden Horseshoe. Um, I would bring back either the Golden Horseshoe Review or Billy Hill and the Hillbillies. Uh, but I want to bring back the full Golden Horseshoe Review. Not the, They did an abbreviated one a uh-huh. few years ago. I think it was for the 60th. I'm not sure. But I would bring, I would want one of those two back in there, and I would bring back table service to the Golden Horseshoe. When I was a boy, they, they maybe they didn't offer quite the extensive menu they have now, but the tables were all set up in rows, and so after you sat down, one there was one cast member for every row, and they would hustle down, start at the far end, take every table's order, and then um, and then they would then start bringing all the orders so that you had everything by the time the show started on your table. Yeah. So now, of course, the, what they served then was simple. It was mainly just sandwiches, you know, ice cream, root beer, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, I, I just thought that was so much nicer than waiting in lines. You yeah, know, up at the bar, and all that. So, th- so that's what I I would do. I th- that 
is something that I had a feeling you were going to say. So mm -hmm. I'm also combining, I guess in a way I'm combining, but uh, the Big Thunder Ranch barbecue mm -hmm. for me, it's, I, I only had the, the pleasure of dining there once and let's be real. The barbecue was not fantastic. Let's not even pretend like it was, it was great barbecue, but the atmosphere of that area is I, I I thought was was pretty pretty phenomenal. It it felt it, it just it felt like you were truly eating just in a different different area. So in the entertainment, while it's not as as good as sitting down and like having the barbecue you get at our hoopty do review here in Walt Disney World, and also a, a fantastic show. The fact that they did have the entertainment too just it, it it was it was a nice little touch to it so uh it's one of those things i wish i got to experience more than than what i than the one time i did but um i i, I loved i loved the big thunder barbecue yeah was, that's definitely missed yeah that whole area i i actually had it as my backup the, that whole big thunder ranch area because they yeah. had entertainment back there they had the seasonal decorations um, they had the barbecue, and and yeah. you know, I thought for considering how much they produced and that was all you care to eat, it wasn't bad. Yeah, oh, you know? I and agree. Then, yeah, and 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 the thing is, it was you know they had the petting zoo. It was it was one of those quiet, out of the way spots in the bustling of Disneyland that you could go to. Especially for little children who maybe if they got overstimulated, they could go over there in color and they or they could meet characters. Uh, you could have a, a bite to eat. And it was just nice to get them sort of, um, you know, understimulated. You could pet the goats and see Mickey Moo and see the turkeys that were pardoned by the president for yeah. Thanksgiving. So it was nice. And Disneyland's losing those places. I agree. Quickly. Yeah. And uh, it, it's, I'm sorry to see it go. And when you saw it at Christmas and Thanksgiving, I mean, I mean well, um, Halloween, yeah. and, well, autumn, how they decorated those up. and Oh, yeah, the cabin that just filled with all the vintage Halloween decorations. Oh, oh my gosh. And, and that was, cabin was constructed by real logs, with real logs. And it was... Uh, and and they they even though it was up to modern code, they the Imagineers were very careful to design it so you wouldn't see that it was designed to modern code. Yeah. It, they made it look as authentic as possible to a real log cabin. They did a good job. Yeah. <laughs> now that's I I'm completely on board with you on that one. Mm -hmm. So we we agree on that. Mm -hmm. But what about gift shop? The gift shop in Frontierland. Hmm. That, you know, I, I although I, I liked I, I liked the Pendleton shop. Although I don't think I ever bought anything there. I just liked the fact that it was a, it was an opening day attraction and a opening day store. Um, there weren't a, there wasn't a lot of there weren't a lot of places I bought things in Frontierland. Although I think I did buy a Davy Crockett rifle there when I was little, and then our son bought one. When he was a boy, um, otherwise not much in Frontierland. I think it was the Pendleton shop was the one I, that I had on my list. 
It was purely nostalgia. Yeah. I Well, I struggled with this one, too. I, I walk in the one, I'm guessing it's just called, like, the Trading Post or mm-hmm. something along that lines. that's right as soon as you walk into Frontierland, um, Mercantile, I think. But yeah. I never buy anything. Uh, it's just you kind of walk walk in and walk out but i was as i was researching for this i read that it was called like the back in the 50s and 60s it was called like the mineral hall and it was essentially like an exhibit but also gift shop where it mm-hmm. had minerals and it you could get mineral samples and they were labeled as like Walt Disney's mineral land yes. and that's I like one of those one of those uh, things that makes Knott's Berry Farm special to me is and I think I maybe told this story once I'm not even positive though but I when my dad went to Knott's Berry Farm as a kid he did like the the gold uh, panning for gold there and so then when I finally went I was able to do it too and so I have his his vial of gold and then mine as well from the two different eras and so um i've always been i've always liked the little tchotchke things like that and so this seems like this would have been right up my alley uh with the with the minerals so i would i i would even though i have no idea what it looked like anything just reading about it sounds like uh Sounds oh, I like remember it. it'd be perfect. And and it had a little black light area so you could see the gemstones that glowed. Oh, that's cool. You know, <laughs> and all that. And and they even if I remember correctly, they even had a little like black light kit you could purchase cuz that was like one of those things that youngsters my age saved up for because yeah. it was for the, its time it was a little on the costly side but then you could display your your you know those because you could get those little glowy minerals and all that yeah. and the geodes and all that 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 really shone under the black lights because in those days nobody had black lights in their homes yeah you know, there weren't black light posters and all that and so oh, yeah, how the times this, changed <laughs> i know well that it wasn't the, the hippies hadn't moved in yet and they uh and they um so yeah, you could get these little black lights that um, that that you could there that you could then display your stones. Um, That's under. wild. Yeah. So yeah, huh? so that 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 was a, a fun place, and it was those little things that, that yeah that made the park unique. And again, it, it gave it its um, it added to the storytelling and the theme and made it feel more like a wilderness. Yeah. Well, I know the next one is going to be unique, too. And, of course, we're moving into New Orleans Square. Mm-hmm. So, Michael, what would you choose for your the Disneyland of your dream attraction for New Orleans Square? Well, it would... Uh, well, there's two to choose from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't seen too many changes in this one. It would, it would, for me, it would have to be Pirates of the Caribbean, but I would... Uh, it would be the original version okay good good call or before the before the various little changes happened over the years and all that i because i got to see it in tokyo disneyland they Mm -hmm. hadn't dinked around with theirs as much the way we have out here and i you know that was the one that walt worked on that's the one that walt you know that he saw at least the 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 model the working model, and he saw one scene completely done, which, of course, 
is no longer going to be there. And um, I, I just think that if any of them should be untouched, it should be the original one. I, I agree with that. So, and based on our redhead scene here, um, you know, I know it came to Disneyland Paris first, and they got the first glimpse, obviously, in French, though. Uh, it's... Listen, I'm not going to complain too much about it because the whole new generation that grows up with it is going to learn to appreciate it and they're not going to realize what they had before. The same way the generation who grew up on thinking that Jack Sparrow was always probably part of the ride felt that way. And like, you know, I was in the generation where I probably did Pirates once or twice before the, the first PC change happened especially with the the men and the women and the chasing and so it's just it's it's been tumultuous uh years with it but uh yeah the the new generation of kids coming and seeing it for the first time will probably learn to appreciate it but um i i I, i'm completely with you though i think i think the disneyland one should have remained unchanged and i without stealing yours you're you're absolutely right there's only two choices and uh i over the years you have convinced me that while disneyland's haunted mansion is special uh that that um that walt disney worlds is truly the better attraction um and so i i think years years of you telling me the reasons why i think you finally convinced me on that and now now i'm actually uh, i i'm in that mindset so pirates of the caribbean is what would jump out to me initially but to try to be a little bit different from you in this one i will have to give myself a little bit of a pass and i will say um the disneyland of my dream always has uh Haunted Mansion holiday running, mm-hmm. which ah, of okay. course is the the holiday overlay to to the Haunted Mansion that features Nightmare Before Christmas. It is one of it's one of the seasonal movies in right after Halloween. I'm I'm a purist who thinks that that movie should not be enjoyed until Halloween night because that's when it starts in the movie. So uh, that's when it should first be watched. But uh, starting the night of Halloween night through through Christmas, it is a movie that I can watch over and over again. Kylie and I both love it. And getting getting to take her to California. And she still hasn't seen The Haunted Mansion in California regularly. Oh, she's only been she's only been to Disneyland. I she probably did when she was she went on a trip back in like 2000 or 1999 sometime sometime around the same time that I I did my first trip before we knew each other though. So she I'm sure she saw it back then, but um but yeah, at least her and I together, we've never seen that version together. We've only seen Haunted Mansion Holiday. So it's one of our favorite things to do. We do it just over and over and over again. It's so detailed. The fact that they whipped it all up together in a month and that it's it's not even done by Imagineering, that it's it's a creation of, of Disneyland entertainment. Like that just always blows my mind. That mm-hmm. it's it's just it's such a such an awesome attraction so it's i would go for that one halloween and christmas is going to be year-round there are a lot of people that would like to see that i'm one of those people that wish but economically it makes no sense is that 
for Halloween, we could have the original Haunted Mansion. And then, yeah, and then right after Halloween, do the switch over. Like, if they could do it overnight. But they can't. And, you know, and now Halloween's starting in September at Disneyland. We're following in the footsteps of the Magic Kingdom. Uh, You know, so... I was actually just going to be really ridiculous and say... uh, justify it by making it august september and october and <laughs> do that if you have to but i i actually enjoy that idea that would that would definitely uh it, it would it would make it a little bit more a little bit more unique but you know uh, luckily with our job a lot of times that i have to travel are during the holiday seasons so i'm usually very lucky that i get to catch it a lot so mm-hmm. You have to go to Tokyo Disneyland and see how they do the overlay there, because it's your—it's the Magic Kingdom style haunted mansion, and see how they do it on a haunted mm. mansion of that size is that... impressive. And we talked about it when we talked about my my trip to the parks, you know, to the Asian parks. Yeah. But um, way back, when was that, October? That's been a while, and, yeah. <laughs> it's been a while. And I, it is magnificent Yeah, what no. they did. I, w- I will see that one day. Mm-hmm. One day. But what about for your restaurant here in New Orleans Square? I love Cafe Orleans. I like the history. You know, when it started out as Cafe Creole, when it was just, you know, what wanted good, strong coffee. Mm-hmm. Um I even and I like that it morphed into a restaurant, a more affordable Monte Cristo and the Pomme Frites. I love. Oh yeah. And I think it has a good menu. I like that they kept even as as it morphed into a, it was redesigned into a restaurant with the patio. I think it did an excellent job. They kept a lot of the original interior design work even when they moved the door which needed to be moved when they moved the entrance over to the other side near where the parasols are and um they, they and they kept the espresso machine that beautiful yes. espresso machine that probably most people just walk by I, which is why i brought it up with marcy yeah i, I, I used to walk by it until yeah. i can't remember which trip it was where we did a shoot in there and i think you were the one who pointed it out to all of us and mm-hmm. so now now i can't go in there without noticing it yeah so uh, that that actually is one of a couple of restaurants that i feel the trip's not complete if i don't eat there yeah, it's just nearly impossible to get a get an actual dining reservation there I know. from it's tough <laughs> I, that's why that, that, that's why almost you know almost not complete yeah, yeah. No, it's not I, like my my trip is ruined i think the last time we were out there i the very first or second day of the trip i was like you know what i'm gonna look to see if i can get a reservation there just just a two top so not asking for for taking away a lot of room and it was like it was booked every single day. I had like one option, like a Saturday at four thirty. Like mm-hmm. I can't, I can't plan almost five days ahead. I don't know where I'm going to be at that time. I can't, I can't put this on the books. So it's a destination restaurant. It's like planning for Carthay Circle. You got to look at it that way. You just, yeah, I, you I had, we had sure you're there. <laughs> you, I think you Carthay is now a lot easier to get into than Cafe mm-hmm. Orleans. That seemed to be the the really tough one. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think it's maybe small. it's just yeah, it's small. Depending on what time of year you're going, and especially if it's around a weekend and all the locals are coming out in droves, going to it anyways. 
and they will have seasonal dishes and desserts that yeah. that people are drawn to. They're drawn to that restaurant, which is always nice. And mm-hmm. I'm going to put an asterisk on my restaurant, mm-hmm. and that is. Uh, the Disneyland of my dreams would include a Club 33, but one that was open to everyone. <laughs> so mm-hmm. not just not just by knowing someone who has paid the massive amounts of money to have the membership in. And, they, you know, obviously you and I have friends out there who, who are members and we've been more than blessed by their generosity and and taking us there and letting us experience it and i i appreciate that every single day but yeah since this is the dream segment of it uh, it's a club 33 that i wish everyone could experience Mm -hmm. and uh it's just you know what it's not about being able to drink inside disneyland it's it's just the views that you have up there looking out into New Orleans Square and and Frontierland and the Rivers of America and and the dining experience itself. I don't think it's necessarily the best food on Disneyland property, but it is just it, it's an experience that oh, yeah. is unforgettable and it's oh, just yeah. and I do, simply I amazing. Do, I do like the new jazz club up there. Yes. You know, yeah, it's, it's that off-centered window from yeah. the exterior that drives me mad. I that would not. It. That would I not look, be. In I there. see it. I see it every time. Yeah, and <laughs> and also in this, the Court of Angels would still be open to everyone. I was just so. going to say that. That is on my list. That was going to be my okay. I'm, I, and I was going to talk about it. We're going to talk about design of this land. I have this. The Court of Angels, this quiet area of Disneyland, you know, with its grand curved staircase, it made it a perfect back- backdrop for photos. Um, the, the, you know, the, when I was both the Disney Gallery and the Court of Angels were areas that were open to guests that were closed and transformed to private guest areas. And one of the many charms of Disneyland was its quiet, outerly areas, like we're talking about with Big Thunder Ranch. And there are almost no quiet areas left as the guest numbers increase. And and Disney monetizes every area. It's even Court of Angels a lot of times would be converted into a um, retail space mm-hmm. during the you know during the the peak seasons, which just broke my heart. And um, you know, but it was so nice, and you could just wander over there, and there would be a, a, a you know, a, a jazz musician back there just playing, or Tiana would be there, you know, or or it'd be a, a little meet and greet of Mickey and Minnie in their Mardi Gras outfits, yeah, or something, or it was just a quiet place to hang out, and um, it was just sad that we lost that. It is, but at least you have it in my dreams. So, yes, uh, <laughs> when one day when you come to my dream park that only includes eight eight attractions and <laughs> eight restaurants and eight shops, uh, but a couple and a little bit of entertainment here and there, you'll at least you'll have the Court of Angels mm-hmm. to enjoy. But uh, what would you go for for shopping? Because I know that there's been a lot of very interesting shops in this area throughout the years that have come mm-hmm. and gone. Well, for me, one of the shops I went to all the time, um, it also would mean that a certain vendor would have to start making these things again, but he had a falling out with Disney. There was L'Ornament Magique, 
which I think now is selling dresses. Mm -hmm. uh, it was a small Christmas tree ornament shop, but it featured Disney ornaments by Radco. And Carol and I would always get Radco ornaments there every year. We have probably one of the most expensive Christmas trees in our town because it is filled with Radco ornaments. Wow. And um, I, but uh, there's a whole story behind what happened between Christopher Radco and the Disney company. And, uh, which is why Radco ornaments are not made anymore and uh, Disney ones are not made anymore and um, I, I would bring the shop back but it would have to have Radco ornaments in it okay um, with uh, with mine I uh, this is another one that I've I've read about a lot that I never got to experience but I believe it was called the one of a kind shop mm -hmm. and it's from everything I've ever read about. It was one of those things that was, it was a shop that was just filled with antiques, but not mm -hmm. really organized, just all over the place between, uh, you know, some jewelry, uh, um, like vases and other. Well, you could buy a chandelier decor. there. If you wanted yeah. To. <laughs> um, a lot of, a lot of carved wood, uh, and just, just, a crazy it sounded like a a clean disneyfied version of a pawn shop that mm -hmm. you just didn't pawn anything you just went in and bought these random treasures that you find and oh, yeah. uh, you know everything was authentic antiques you could spend thousands of dollars yeah. in there and i love the idea of that uh that's mm -hmm. uh, when i travel you know i don't i don't like to do a lot of shopping i like to take in the experience of the places i'm in but usually when I am traveling, if I wander into a shop that's not like a part of a diff the attraction that I'm at, usually it's when it's like a random, a random antique shop because you just never know what you're going to find. Um, it's like there's one I went into in Canada at one point in time where I found a, an Elvis record that is rare but the condition that it was in finding it was just it was pretty rare uh what it cost me way 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 more on ebay to pick it up than i was able to get at this store so i've always been attracted to places like this it's mm -hmm. you, you might not know the story in the background about the items that are in there it might just be the window shop and look through but there's you always find cool stuff and that's i i've heard you know i i've heard about in in New Orleans Square, I heard Pete go on and on about the the jewelry stores that were in there and fragrance stores, and you know mm -hmm. I know they have a Pandora shop in there, or whatever jewelry they're selling now, and they have fragrances and all that. But it's, it, it I think I want the New Orleans Square of the past, the the more specialized stores. Oh, the Lafitte Silver Shop and yeah. Is that, yeah, I, I had the, my runner-up was that was uh, Mademoiselle Antoinette's perfumery, which is still there. But in my when I was a boy, you could um, mix customized fragrances, and then yeah, and they yeah, had yeah. they had women who they they were I don't know what their titles would be, but they were skilled in mixing perfumes. Yeah, and, and they were trained in it. And then That's they cool. saved it. They saved what your custom scent was. So you could go back to Disneyland even years later and have your custom scent re remade. 
Yeah. No, like I, I remember you telling me about that before. Mm-hmm. It just because it's so cool. I remember my cousins and uh, one of my aunts would do that. And then they did sell, you know, regular uh, perfume, you know, name mm-hmm. brand perfume, as that shop does now. But also, they sold beautiful little perfume bottles that people would buy. And get them as gifts or or for display or or whatever, and um, they were just really pretty cut glass, and all that very intricate um, crystal looking perfume bottles. Mm. Yeah, you know, See, various we're, colors. We're missing out. Yeah. <laughs> so. The shop didn't intrigue me when I was a little boy. Uh, I, I would stand there thinking, oh, dear Lord, when are they going to be done? But um, now I'm just so glad I experienced it, you know. Yeah. No, I mean, isn't that isn't that how it always goes, though? <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> but, okay, so that takes us to entertainment in mm-hmm. New Orleans Square. This is tough. All my favorite entertainment is in New Orleans Square. So yeah. This is hard. I finally decided Fantasmic, but... It would be one of the earlier versions, even the previous version, but with the new updated technology. But no Captain Jack Sparrow. Uh, we'd have Peter Pan sailing yeah. the rivers of America. Uh, we'd have that version. We would have, you know, the um, the full sort of Snow White transition of the Evil Queen and all of that, because now it doesn't quite make sense. But um, now with the, the transformation to Maleficent, and um, but we'd have the modern, you know, the current version of Maleficent's transformation and, yeah. and you know, that kind of thing. And the, and the, the much crisper projections and stuff. Yeah. No, and, then there were, and there's a couple other things. Like I, I'd want the big giant TikTok back. Um, that's been gone for you know decades, and the, the mm-hmm. big Ursula and the flotsam and jetsam that were on the skidoos, you know, and all that. <laughs> and so I would want I want all those elements, you know, back in it. I, I can I completely agree. That's that is the highlight entertainment uh, above and beyond. But since we're not trying to overlap as much as possible, my backup on uh, on this one is I love the pirate band. Um, mm-hmm. It's I, you know, I, I love listening to the jazz band in um, in inside the uh, French market. Yeah, the but, Street Bachelors. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I love the pirate band. It's it just the way that they just walk around and they interact with guests mm-hmm. plus They're the funny. music they perform to yeah it's just it's so fun mm-hmm. um it's you know it's it it puts you in the spirit and i i'm hoping that they don't team her uh team them up with red when she makes her debut because oh, uh, that's you know what you know they're gonna do that where what else are they gonna do with her I'm, I'm very concerned. So <laughs> maybe they'll have her dancing like they have Cruella Deville dances with the Firehouse Five plus two over, you know, in, in um, Town yeah. Square. And I could be okay <laughs> with that, but it's still, I, I we'll have to see how that is. But I, I think we can safely say if we were doing this in three months versus right now, uh, Redwood not be on our entertainment choice uh, no. for either of us. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Well, see, I was not expecting our discussion to even be this lively, but at this point, I shouldn't be surprised by anything at all. 
So I think since we've already covered four of the different realms of Disneyland, that we should save the other four plus our our nighttime uh, spectacular for for another episode. So I think I'm going to go ahead and make the executive decision on this one, and we <laughs> are going to wrap this up. But this has been just a lot of fun, and I can't wait it to see what the other fun. half happens. <laughs> It does sound like fun. So, and it gives us a whole nother week to just keep dreaming about our Disneyland. Yeah, exactly. I love those daydreamings. <laughs> yes. Well, here we are again. This is my favorite part of the show where we get to have fun with a little Disney history. It is time for the This Day in Disney History quiz. This time it is for the week of May 27th. We have our our returning um, contestant, Ryan Teets. Ryan, welcome back. Thanks for having me again, Michael. So it is great. We're, We're glad to have you back. I know last week was a bit rough. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. But, so we hope you, you had, uh, you know, you had some time to recover. <laughs> so and and, you know, um, I know now that you sort of, you know, the format and all of that, you, that you are um, you, you're going to I just feel it. But, you know, that pixie dust is on you and all that. So, you know, one one of the things one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the show is that so many of our listeners I know want to would love to be a part of the Diz. So, I, I mean, I was a, I was a fan, you know, before Pete asked me to um, become a part of the Diz. You know, Pete and Tom Bell, who is the host of the old Disneyland, um, you know, show. And um, so how did, tell our listeners, how did you become a contributor to the Diz by contributing articles? And I know uh, you've appeared on, on our Walt Disney World show as well. Yeah, um, well, I know... I don't remember how long ago it was now. Um, it's well over a year, probably two or three years ago now. Pete put out a uh, call on the show for contributors for the WD Info site. And uh, so I applied and got accepted. And the rest is history, I guess. Okay, excellent. And did that lead to being a moderator on the rumors board for the Disboards? moderator came i think the moderator came first um and that was i was just i didn't uh jackie at the time was in charge of finding new uh moderators and she uh asked me if i would want to join the team and i said sure why not excellent well that's great so you must have been very active on the boards i would think oh yeah and you must have been very positive on the boards, <laughs> I would think, too. So, um, you can only be positive so much. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, that, yeah, I, I have found that to be true for, for some of our, our friends on the boards there. So, well, anyway, so I, anyway, I just know we're going to have, you're going to do very well this week. So just to run through the rules for any of our our new listeners, and as a reminder to our listeners playing at home, um, if you hear the question and you choose not to hear the multiple choice options and you get the answer correctly, you will receive three points. If you opt to hear the multiple choice answers and get the answer correctly, you will receive two points. If you ask to have one of the options removed you and you get it correct, you will receive one point. 
However, if your opponent answers a question incorrectly and you answer it correctly, you will receive one point. All right. So, Brian, since you are our guest, uh, would you like to uh, take the first question or pass it on to Craig? I'm going to take the first question this week. All right. Different strategy this week, huh? Yep. All right. Okay. So here we go. For May 27th, on May 27th, 1933, the Century of Progress Exposition opens in Chicago, Illinois. What is this exposition's Disney connection? Um, yeah, I'm going to have to go with the multiple choice. And A, Walt's father, Elias, employed as a carpenter, helped to build some of the exposition pavilions. Or B, the Baldwin Locomotive Works displayed their newest narrow-gauge locomotive, a 46010 wheeler. Years later, that same locomotive would become the Roger E. Brogy locomotive for the Walt Disney World Railroad. C, Walt Disney and animator Ward Kimball visited the exposition. Or D, the Mickey Mouse short, Mickey's Mechanical Man, debuted at the exposition. Hmm. Um, still doesn't <laughs> help me much, but I'm, I'm thinking... Thinking it's going to be, uh, what was C again? C is Walt Disney and animator Ward Kimball visited the exposition. I'm going to go with D, the short premiere. The Mickey Mouse short, Mickey's Mechanical Man, debuted at the exposition. Okay, yep. final answer? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, that is incorrect, although they... They make, Walt did have shorts debut at other expositions around the country, not at this one. So, Craig, over to you. So, what is the Disney connection for the Century of Progress exposition in Chicago on May 27th? Open on May 27th, 1933. Did Walt's father, Elias, help build some of the pavilions? Was one of the engines um, displayed there? Did it become the Roger E. Brogy? Or did Walt Disney and animator Ward Kimball visit the exposition? I want to say that I've heard you speak about it before and that it was that Walt and Ward Kimball went, but that could have been something else differently. But I'm going to go with that one because it's the only one that sticks out to me like I've heard it before. Okay, final answer? Yeah. Okay, you are correct. In August, Walt Disney and animator Ward Kimball will visit this exposition to see its acres of famous railroad engines. And, of course, Walt's love of trains took off from there. So, and um, to where he was inspired, of course, to build Carolwood Pacific and a train around his theme park and, and you name it. So, okay. All right. So, good job. One point there. Okay, Craig, to you, um, May 28th. This Disneyland attraction opened on May 28th, 1966. Okay. Multiple choice. 
that A, it's the small world in fantasy land. B, mind trained through nature's wonderland in frontier land. C, carousel of progress in Tomorrowland. Or D, great moments with Mr. Lincoln on Main Street, USA. Huh. This is 1966. Well, who would have saw this coming? That right after the World's Fair was over, they would put the attractions there. I, yeah, it's a crapshoot on this one. I know we've talked about it before, but I can't remember. So I'm going to go with It's a Small World. Final answer. Yeah. And it's a happy one after all. That is correct. So it came direct from the World's Fair. And this interior boat ride was sponsored by Bank of America. It features 297 animated children, 256 toys, a canal filled with 233,000 gallons of water, and of course the famous song, It's a Small World After All, written by Richard M. Sherman and Robert B. Sherman. It is the park's first continually loading high-capacity ride. The day is marked by special ceremonies hosted by Walt Disney, in which water from all over the world is poured into the attraction's moat. Disneyland will throw another grand opening celebration for the attraction two days later. It's a Small World will be so popular that versions will later be added at the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World, Tokyo Disneyland, Disneyland Paris, and Hong Kong Disneyland. So, Craig, good job. That brings you up to three points. Thank you. Okay. Okay, Ryan, back to you. All right. Here, we're really going back um, into early history here. For May 29th, at a gag meeting for a Mickey Mouse short on May 29th, 1928, what announcement did Walt Disney make to his animators? Yeah, I'm going to have to go multiple choice. Is it A, the contract for the Oswald the Lucky Rabbit series had come to an end? B, Walt and Roy plan to construct a new studio on Hyperion Avenue. C, Walt and ink and paint girl Lillian Bounds planned to marry. D, Walt intended to produce cartoons with sound. Hmm. This is May 29th, 1928. Yeah, 28. Uh, um, uh, I'm thinking due to the year. Uh, I'm thinking D, uh, shorts with sound. Okay, final answer. Yep. That is correct. At a gag meeting for the second Mickey Mouse short at Walt Disney's house, Walt shares his idea of producing a sound cartoon. Excellent. Two points. So here you go. You're giving Craig a run for his money now. It's three to two with Craig in the lead. Craig, back to you. Okay. Hey, work begins on this Disney project on May 30th, 1967. Okay, multiple choice. A, construction on the interior of the show building of Disneyland's Haunted Mansion in New Orleans Square. B, filming of Walt Disney's The Love Bug. C, site preparation for the Walt Disney World project in Florida. 
Or D, the first meeting between Dick Nunes and Cardwalker of the Walt Disney Company with the president of the Oriental Land Company to discuss the suitability of constructing a Disney theme park in Japan. I have no idea. So, I'll, just for fun, I'll take one away. Okay, take one away. I will take away the filming of Walt Disney's The Love Bug. Okay, then. Um, I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with A, the interior of Haunted Mansion. Okay, final answer? Yeah. Okay, that is incorrect. So, although the timing would have been right. Um, So, Ryan, over to you. I'm going to give this a try. You have a 50-50 chance here. Is it site preparation for the Walt Disney World project in Florida? Or is it the very first meeting to discuss the suitability of a Disney theme park in Japan? Um, I'm not thinking it's Japan because Japan is much younger than uh, that. Uh, so I'm going to go with site preparations for Walt Disney World. Okay, and that is correct. Very good. Uh, Site preparation begins in Florida for the Walt Disney World project, requiring swamp drainage, clearing of land, and removal of trees. It will take 1,584 days and $400 million till opening day. Well, you know what? That means you're tied now. Three to three. Okay, and Ryan, you can now pull ahead. So, since it's your turn now. Hey, on May 31st, 2008, so something within your um, time span here, this Disney character blasts off to the International Space Station as a member of the crew of Space Shuttle Discovery. Who is this Disney character? 2008. Uh, Um... I don't, I'm thinking, I I have an idea, but I'm not 100% sure. So I'm going to go with the multiple choice. Is it A, Wally, the star of Disney Pixar's newest animated feature scheduled to open on June 27th? B, Buzz Lightyear? C, Stitch? Or D, Bolt, the star of Disney's newest animated feature scheduled to open on November 21st? I was thinking Wally, so I'm just gonna stick with my gut and go with A Wally. Okay. You know, and I normally say stick with your gut. In this case, not so much. Although that was that that was good logic there. Um, no, Wally did not go up in the space station space shuttle Discovery. So, um, Craig, over to you. So, is it Buzz Lightyear, Stitch, or Bolt? Well, I know we've had space questions on here before, and I always go with whatever revolves around Buzz Lightyear, and I'm always wrong. So I'm going to stay away from that. Bolt would make sense, but I feel like that's a trick, too. So I'm going to just, I'm going with Stitch. Okay. Final answer? Yeah. But you know what? This this was your Buzz Lightyear question, Craig. Are you serious? <laughs> yep. Buzz Lightyear blasts off to the International Space Station as a member of the crew of Space Shuttle Discovery. The toy Space Ranger is part of a program that uh, the Disney's youth educational series and NASA have developed. Buzz's mission coincides with the opening of Toy Story Midway Mania. 
a new 4D interactive attraction opening on this day at Walt Disney World's Disney's Hollywood Studios. The following month, the second version will open at Disney California Adventure. Buzz will remain on the space station until September 2009. Yeah, I'm just never going to get it. <laughs> so it's that Pixar curse. Okay, but you still have a chance to break the tie because it's your question here. Hey, the California State Senate and Assembly proclaims June 1st, 2015, as Disneyland Day. Who arrives in the state capital of Sacramento to accept the honor? Um, I just... And I have a feeling if I ask multiple choice, it's probably going to be something like Mickey Mouse, uh, Bob Iger, and, you know, stuff like that. So I'm just going to say, I'm just going to say Mickey Mouse, and I'm going to go for the blind guess and be wrong. Well, (laughs) I would normally say yes, except he was accompanied. (laughs) <laughs> by someone. So I'm going to have to toss it over to Ryan because it's not a complete answer. So, <laughs> so, so Ryan, um, now that it's over to you, I can give you all the choices. Is it A, Mickey Mouse and the Happiest Balloon on Earth, which is a Mickey Mouse-shaped hot air balloon? B, Mickey, Minnie, Donald, and Goofy in the Mouse Rail, a Mark III monorail that was converted into a limb mouse scene? C, Bob Iger and Mickey Mouse, or D, Bob Iger and Diane Disney Miller? Well, we know one it's not. Can you repeat D? <laughs> I was just going to say, you have a hint here. <laughs> Can you repeat D, please? You kind of cut out on that. Oh, sorry. D was Bob Iger and Diane Disney Miller. Um, hmm. But we already know Mickey Mouse is part of the answer. Yep. Um, uh, I'm going to go with, um, jeez, um, I'll go with, uh, uh, D, I guess. Bob Iger, anti-Ant Disney Miller? Yep. Okay, um, that is your final answer? Uh, actually, no. What? Um, let's, uh, I'm going to go B instead. I, I don't think Diane was alive at that time anymore. Okay, so Mickey, Minnie, Donald, and Goofy in the Mouse Rail, a Mark III monorail converted into a Limouse scene, correct? Yeah. That's your guess? Actually, it was Mickey Mouse, but he arrived in the happiest balloon on Earth, a Mickey Mouse-shaped hot air balloon. So no, so no one gets any points for that one. So uh, probably because, you know, our governor didn't want him polluting the air with small, you know, carbon combustion engine. Um, all right. Okay. Last question goes to you, Ryan, so you can break the tie with this. Okay. Emmy Award-winning actor, singer, comedian, and television personality 
Wayne Brady is born in Columbus, Georgia on June 2, 1972. Raised in Orlando, Florida at age 15, Brady worked at Walt Disney World. What was Wayne Brady's role at Walt Disney World? I had to look it up. We discussed this on a past show recently. I know that's I'm irritated because <laughs> I didn't bother looking it up now. So it's still a mystery to me. Oh, I know. I remember hearing about this on a recent um, connecting with all podcasts, but I don't remember. I think you only talked about his role at Universal. So I'm going to go with um, multiple choice. Okay. Was it a food and beverage quick service at the Magic Kingdom? B, custodial at Epcot Center. D, C, dishwasher steward at the Magic Kingdom. Or D, character performer at the Magic Kingdom. Um, nothing's really standing out to me. Um, I know, you know, being in entertainment now, I would think character performer. Um... So that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with D, character performer. Hey, final answer. Yep. You are correct. Wayne Brady worked at Walt Disney World as a character performer. His roles included portraying Goofy and Tigger. About being a friend of Tigger, Brady once said, inside that costume it was about 90,000 degrees. A then 16-year-old Brady was portraying Tigger in a parade at the Magic Kingdom when he passed out from the heat. I should have paced myself, but I fell flat on my face. They carried me off with my recorded voice still going, Woo-hoo-hoo! <laughs> so, very good. Ryan, you pulled ahead and you won this round. Five points to three. You redeemed yourself here. Congratulations. Yeah, Congratulations. All right. I really <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Good job. That Wayne Brady one. That, 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 when I saw that, I thought, okay, I've got to um, find this out. When I saw it was his birthday. So anyway. All right. And, and I think the Universal one was a good hint since he, he was a character performer at Universal. So anyway. So see, pays to listen to the show. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, now that Craig has won one episode and you have won one round, I think we have to have you come back so that we can break this tie. So so will you join us again oh, next week for another quiz? Excellent. Definitely. Okay. Well, I we will look forward to having you back next week on um, Connecting with Walt. <laughs> Well, you know, I used, I did use a, a few references whilst constructing uh, the Disneyland of my dreams. Um, and it includes the Disneyland Encyclopedia by Chris Strotter. And I, I looked at a couple of websites as well uh, for some historical content. And that was the, that was Yesterland and the Disney Wiki. That's so, those were uh, mine too. <laughs> oh, excellent. Great. Yeah. All good references. 
good resources. Yes. So, Craig, until next time, where can our listeners connect with you on the Diz Unplugged? Uh, of course, you can find me on Tuesdays on the Walt Disney World Edition podcast, Thursdays on the Universal Edition podcast, uh, random days throughout the week on the Diz Daily Fix, Wednesdays on the Best and Worst of Walt Disney World, uh, here, there, and everywhere, and of course, always on Twitter and Instagram at Teleclaster. But, Michael, where can we find you? Well, you can send me messages at michael at wdwinfo.com. On Twitter, I'm at mbowling121. Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling. Uh, that's with the uh, Connecting with Walt Banner. Uh, Instagram, I'm Michael Bowling. That is, and of course, you can always connect with me and Craig on um, on Connecting with Walt at our Twitter page at Connecting Walt. Tell us what are some of the attractions in the Disneyland of your dreams. What would you add? What would you <laughs> subtract? What would you do? You agree with ours, uh, our selections, but how would you build upon? the Disneyland of our dreams to make it the Disneyland of your dreams. Uh, and also uh, a couple of other uh, sort of program notes. You're probably noticing, uh, it sounds like I'm on a spaceship or something with the uh, the Disney, the, the, the um, This Week in Disney History quizzes. Unfortunately, I did have an audio issue at my end. Um, for the, we recorded a little behind the scenes here. We're taking you backstage of the show. We tend to record all of the the episodes of the quiz with one of our guests all in one evening. So unfortunately, when I experience an audio issue, it will span several weeks. Yeah. (laughs) So that's what what you ran into. And your producer failed you in this uh, this instant and did not hear the audio issue during the recording. Otherwise, it would have been solved beforehand. Well, of course, if I had pressed a certain button on my end, it would not have happened at all. So, so, you know, it all all starts in the the Western Kingdom this time around. The good part is it's still entertaining. It It just isn't up to the quality of everything else that we put out no no and it 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 did not change the outcome of the quiz in any way also an update on carol we've been receiving so many kind messages um, and support and pixie dust and prayer she is home from the hospital uh finally and uh but she has a real long road to recovery she i think she thought she was somehow just going to bounce out of icu and just hit the ground running and and start start uh her life you know from where it left off well you know she she definitely got out of bed and she definitely hit the ground it was not running by any means and um she is on uh, pretty much bed rest and uh you know just really a lot of restrictions for the next few weeks as she gathers her energy up and um so definitely uh, please keep those those positive thoughts prayers and pixie dust coming because she still does need them um for the next couple of months until she fully recovers from the after effects of the surgery. So thank you again. Uh, we truly and sincerely appreciate it. So and and thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, we only ho- we only hope that we never lose sight of one thing: that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Walt.